0: You know, 10 months ago, we made a decision to redefine our direction. We knew there would be ups and downs this season. We knew that we would encounter some things that were going to be difficult, and we did. Uh, With that said, I think we're in a, a better place today than we were at this time last year. And I think we have an opportunity to grow as an organization starting today
1: locked on bulls part of the locked on podcast network a show for the most passionate fan base in the nba levine he goes right back. oh stop it sampson did you not get the memo Hosts jordan malley and matt peck dive into the best bulls news and stories around the nba
2: oh! ain't is canter what are you doing the finisher in New York City.
1: Your number one source for Chicago Bulls news and stories. We're going to preach patience. It doesn't mean we're not going to be looking for ways to get better, but a lot of it's going to
0: come internally. We need Zach Levine to be a better basketball player. Chris Dunn to come back a better player.
1: Larry Markinen, Bobby Porter. you go down the line. They have to put in the time and confident that they will. So kick back, relax, and get ready for the best hour of your day. Like I said at the beginning, I feel better today about our our direction and our position than I did a year ago. Locked on Bulls starts now. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck.
3: What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We're live on Dash Radio, Dash Radio.com and the Dash Radio app. on the Nothing But Net channel, live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern at 9 a.m. Central Time. I'm your host, Jordan Malley, brighter Bulls basketball and the NBA at LockedOnBulls.com and college hoops over at SB Nation. Along with me is Matt Pack, host of Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and host of the 312 show on AM 1590 WCGO. Follow us on Twitter, at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Bulls. Like us on Facebook, Facebook Facebook.com slash Bulls. Subscribe to the show, iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts, you will find us. Our text and voicemail lines at 331-979-1369. Drop us a text, a voicemail, whatever it is, whatever you want to talk about, drop us a line, 331-979-1369. Welcome back on this Thursday. We have a very special guest for you guys today, former first round. Pick in 2010, former Clemson Tiger, former Indiana Pacer, Utah Jazz, Washington Wizard, and Brooklyn Net. Trevor Booker. Trevor Booker is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network family now. He's a basketball analyst working his way back to get, getting back into the NBA. So we talked to Trevor about what's been going on with the Chicago Bulls team over the last few weeks and get really the NBA player perspective. About how locker rooms are formed and how leadership is formed in those locker rooms, and some of his thoughts on some of the national perspective about players being quote unquote soft. So, all of that and so much more with a great interview from Trevor Booker. Before we get to that, just wanted to update you guys really quick. Yesterday, after our show was recorded and published, Zach Levine, it was made mention that he is out two to four weeks with a sprained ankle. And then in last night's game, Bobby Portis, late in the fourth quarter, goes out with also a sprained ankle. So we'll get a timetable to you guys for sure tomorrow. But keep up to date with us at Locked On Bulls on Twitter. We'll have that there for you. But without further ado, here is Trevor Booker.
2: He can use either hand. Booker
1: going to have to pull the trigger, but he gets it away and scores off the
3: glass.
0: What a shot
1: by Trevor
0: Booker! Booker, got it! Are you kidding me? I mean, if you want to define the phrase grandma shot, that defines
1: the phrase grandma shot.
2: I have never seen anything like that in a game,
0: ever. Right now, we're very pleased to welcome to Locked on Bulls for the first time, Trevor Booker. Clemson Tiger, NBA veteran who has played for the Washington Wizards, Utah Jazz, Brooklyn Nets, Philadelphia 76ers, most recently the Indiana Pacers, Uh, and he recently joined our Locked On NBA family as an analyst. You can follow him on Twitter at 35 underscore Fitz. Trevor, welcome to Locked On Bulls, man. How you doing?
2: I am good. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Um, So, I mean, we're going to touch on a lot in this interview, but because this is a bull centric podcast, we first wanted to get your take as an NBA player on what has gone on with the bulls in the last couple of weeks. Of course, the ousting of Fred Hoiberg and naming Jim Boylan, not just as an interim coach, but the new head coach uh, is the move the Bulls front office made a couple of weeks ago. And it made national headlines that this young Bulls team, after a very long and tiresome week that included some blowout losses on their home floor, We're contemplating some kind of mutiny or at least not showing up to a scheduled practice to show some kind of active defiance against Jim Boylan and his very harsh tactics that he was trying to use to wrangle this group uh, into submission as a player. Do you see uh, some validity in the grievances that these young Bulls players add? Do you think that anything Jim Boylan has done over the past couple of weeks has gone too far, as far as how NBA play, how NBA coaches should treat professional athletes?
2: Yeah, it, well, you know, it's, it's certain things that you can't do uh, in the NBA. Uh, you know, during the season, you uh, I mean you have so many games that you you rarely, you know, practice. And when you do practice, you know, it's it's definitely not uh, strenuous. So, I mean, I can understand from the player standpoint, um, you know, their protest. Um, you know, as a coach, you got to understand, too, you know, that it's a long season. I know it's a young team that he's trying to get a, a point across, but it's certain things that you can't do. And after a back-to-back, I think it's mandatory that you have an off day. And I think, you know, I read somewhere that, you know, and that uh, they, they had not had any off days in, in one or two weeks. But I think it's mandatory that you have at least one off day a week. Um, so, you know, if the players want to protest that, I certainly understand. Uh, because, you know, as a player, it, it was times where, uh, you know, we would come in and watch film, you know, when it was supposed to be an off day. You know, it would be chatter in the locker room about, you know, we're supposed to have an off day. So, Imagine being a Bulls player, you have to come in and actually, you know, practice. It's not just film. So they they definitely have a a great argument there.
3: It's interesting that you bring that up, Trevor, from your experience in the NBA and in locker rooms. Can you explain to our listeners and NBA fans out there what a typical week looks like? And, you know, for the arguments that are being made about how guys... Should should not complain about two 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 and a half hour practices and having to practice after back-to-backs, especially if you lose by 56. You know, the argument Matt and I have been having over the last couple of weeks, arguing for the players, saying, you know, these guys need time to rest and recover. You also have to consider traveling and you have to consider all the other things that you may not hear about it on a daily basis, but those players are putting in the work. So from your experience, what is it normally like when you have a practice? How long do practices usually go in your experience and shoot arounds and watching film? And is it, is it strange for an NBA team to watch film directly after a loss? Like, have you ever experienced that before in your career?
2: Um, definitely not. I've You know, I haven't experienced, you know, watching film, you know, directly after a game, um, you know, as a, you know, for the fans, you know, on on the outside looking in, they don't understand, you know, what's like for an NBA player. They don't see, you know, what goes in day to day. You know, a typical week, you know, you you could have five games. Um, you know, two back to backs, and then you know, a, a separate the solo game. Um, you know, those games are pretty strenuous, and then you have to do that, you know, for 82 games. So, you know, it's tough. That's why it's mandatory to have one day off a week because, you know, some coaches will, you know, try to take advantage of that and, you know, have no days off, you know, come in, you know, watch film, um, you know, on a day where the players should be resting. You know, rest is very important in the year. That's how you keep guys healthy. And that's why you see, you know, some of the older guys, you know, resting, you know, for one day rest is pretty – it's very needed, you know, by the players. You know, some players who don't play, they come in and get extra work in, get, you know, their uh, conditioning in. But the players that, you know, play, especially heavy minutes, those are the ones that really need the rest. Um, And then you have to travel, you know, during the week. You know, you could finish a game, travel, get in, you know, 2 o'clock in the morning and play that same night. Um, so, you need you definitely need your rest, and, and, and it's definitely uh, much needed by the players. We're
0: talking with NBA veteran and Locked On NBA analyst Trevor Booker here on Locked On Bulls. Uh, Trevor, another really uh, important factor that seems to be trying to be weighed out with the Bulls right now is finding who the leaders are on this young team that is going through a pretty rough season. Some of it has been fighting a lot of injuries and the fact that they've been undermanned most of the first uh, third of the season, but... Uh, As the young players were kind of getting tired of new coach Jim Boylan's tactics, there was the question of, you know, is this a dictatorship or is this a uh, more of a we all have a voice kind of situation? And that is why Jim Boylan decided to instill what he called a leadership committee with a handful of the uh, more veteran players on this Bulls team, like Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday, to say if anybody on this team has grievances about what's going on or wants to get their thoughts shared and grievances heard, let's do it through this leadership committee and somebody on the leadership committee will come and talk to me. Uh, I think a lot of Bulls fans are saying like, really, this seems like kind of childish that that something like this even needs to be installed at the professional level and your experience when it comes to finding the players who are the leaders on an NBA floor and in an NBA locker room, doesn't it make more sense for those leaders to sort of emerge naturally?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So Um, yeah, that's, that's definitely something different. Um, Usually you have, you know, the leaders just emerge, you know, throughout the season, uh, you know, preseason, whatever it is. They're usually, you know, not hand-picked, you know, by the coach. That's that's definitely something different. And, you know, another thing that Coach Boylan has to be um, aware of, you know, is just losing in the locker room. Um, If you lose the locker room, then you're pretty much, you know, you're done with that team. Uh, so, you know, I think it would probably be best if he, you know, just let it, you know, emerge natural, naturally and, you know, have just try to build a relationship with the players where, you know, if they had a problem, they could come to him, you know, personally instead of having to go to a guy that he appointed, um, uh, which is, you know, kind of weird, you know, going to somebody else and telling them your problem so they can go relay it to the, to the coach, you know, um, you know, that's, that's an easy way to, to lose the locker room.
3: I feel like the, a lot of miscommunication can happen between a player expressing his concerns and then having it to be relayed back to a head coach. Sometimes things can get kind of miscommunicated and I think there's more chance for that to be able to happen. Trevor, I'm curious about young leaders in a locker room and players speaking out, rookies especially, players that have had less than three years of experience in the league. The Bulls are the second youngest team in the NBA right now. I think the average age of this entire team is 24 years old. So to me, this team has lacked finding an identity, lacked finding a guy that can speak out and speak for the entire team. And a lot of us at the beginning of the season thought maybe that could be Chris Dunn. Maybe that could be Bobby Portis. Both of those guys go down with injuries and don't come back until as as late as last week. So we we specifically go towards Wendell Carter Jr., who the Bulls took at number seven overall this summer. He's been pretty outspoken as a rookie. Do you, do you notice that to take an effect in the locker room? Do guys... Are guys willing to give rookies a voice and a chance to speak how they feel if if they don't if they feel lost about a voice in the locker room or do more veterans kind of say eh, you're just a rookie maybe you should just you shouldn't talk as much and just kind of listen and learn from us do do guys grasp on to younger players having a voice in that locker room and does that respond well with maybe some veteran players
2: um you know sometimes you know if the rookies make making sense you have to listen to them um, but a lot of times it's going to come from your veterans. You know, because the rookie, you know, he hasn't experienced enough to, you know, really go to the media or really, you know, voice his, you know, opinions about different things. You know, he he really hasn't, you know, gone through the experience. So it it would be tough for, you know, guys to really listen to him. But, you know, sometimes you have to listen to him, especially if he's making sense. Um, but most of the time, that's that's going to come from your... You know, veteran guys.
0: That's kind of the challenging situation the Bulls are in right now. Is uh, you know, of their veteran guys on the team, uh, none of them are necessarily you know star caliber players. Justin Holiday's playing a lot of minutes. Robin Lopez is a is a guy that a lot of people around this league respect and, and like as a person. But when it comes to being the leader on the floor uh, in in crunch time. You know the 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 young guys are the ones being asked to carry a lot of the weight as far as you know scoring points and getting stops because, as Jordan said, this team is so young. Um, Speaking of some of the the young talent on this team, Trevor, I'm curious. I feel like Bulls fans are are very conflicted as far as how they feel about Zach Levine uh, and the kind of ceiling he has as an NBA player. Of course, a big piece of that Jimmy Butler trade from a couple years ago. We saw early on this season before defenses really started to key in on Zach, his ability to be a 30 points per game scorer in this league. The guy can score at will from all over the floor. Um, but when defenses have started to you know push on him a little bit, he has been really uh, prone to turnovers in a recent stretch of games. Do you see Levine being uh, an all-star caliber player in this league? Do you think he could be the guy on a playoff contending team? Or do you see him more as a a secondary or or tertiary piece on a real contender?
2: Well, I I think he has the potential to be, you know, an all-star type player. You know, I watched him play early on in the season. And, you know, he can really, you know, score the ball. That's the thing uh, about him. You know, know, if you give him the ball, he can can score it. But like you said when teams really started to key in on him, you know, uh, it, it it was a little different. Uh, but then I think he has the potential to change that, though. You know, um, work on his passing, work on different things other than scoring, just being a playmaker, you know, and I think everything else will fall in place. Um, so I think he has the potential to do that. But, you know, right now, is it there? No, but he's uh, still a young guy, and and I think – you know, if he keeps working and puts in the work, um, I think he has some potential. I mean, I think he really could get there. Trevor, I'm I'm a
3: big believer in Zach Levine, and I I love his game outside of just you know the the crazy dunks that he throws down at the United Center and the scoring at will and he's really had to carry this Bulls team for the majority of the first 25 games with Markkinen with Lowry Markinen being out with Bobby Portis being out and without Chris Dunn he's really had to to survive with the bulk of the load so I I'm still a a major believer in him he's down for two to four weeks with an ankle injury I want to circle back though to the national perspective you know this Bulls This bull story over the last two weeks has grown into a larger conversation about NBA players and one that I vehemently disagree with. And I'm curious from your perspective, who has been in the league for several years do you feel like modern NBA players nowadays are quote unquote soft? that's what a lot of national perspective a not of talking heads are saying that well guys don't guys aren't run the way that they were back in the 90s and they're not they don't have the toughness anymore and you know guys are coddled from the time that they're in AAU through high school to the college level and then they go from college to being a pro and they've never been pushed this hard so do would you agree with those statements because to me as a fan, I don't think that's necessarily fair at all to those players. There's certain cases where you can make that argument, but I feel like for the majority of NBA players, you have to be a certain type of tough to be able to make it to the the national stage, the NBA. So do you feel like that narrative around modern NBA players that they're quote unquote soft is fair?
2: Yeah, I, I definitely don't think it's fair. Um, I mean, we can't help, you know, how the rules change and, you know, what the referees call, um, you know, how, certain people are, are brought up how the media, you know, uh you may push a certain player. Um, you know, you know, it's different circumstances that we don't control. Um, you know, and the game changed. Uh the game changed from, you know, when they had the bad boys, uh, to now. You know, the rules changed. So it's not really fair to say that the NBA is is soft right now. Um, you know, we just go out there and play the game. We play the game for the best out of our ability. Uh so it's definitely not fair.
0: Uh Trevor, I want to journey back with you. Your final season with the Washington Wizards, 13-14, you guys made the playoffs and faced our Chicago Bulls in round one. Uh, it, it was a gentleman sweep, as they call it. You guys won the series in five games. The Bulls shorthanded. That was you know their second season playing without Derrick Rose due to injury. Um, I think as, as far as that series went, you guys dominated it. The, the thing that I think most Bulls fans remember, and I'm uh, I'm wondering how you recall this event, was the near brawl that took place between the grizzled veteran Nene, your teammate, and rising star yeah. Jimmy Butler, going head to head with kind of a a, a, <laughs> a long headbutt going on there, and it almost came to Fisticuffs by Webster,
2: hit ahead Nene
0: to the basket. Timeout, Chicago. I say they needed that. Look out, look out, Nene and Butler, butting mm-hmm. heads, looking at each mm-hmm. other. Nene loading up to throw a punch there, and Noah gets in the way. They had collided, and like two Brahma Bulls, they had their heads forehead to forehead. What do you remember about that event, and how do you, as a teammate, Watching that unfold, if you're not the one instigating those fights, handle what goes on as those uh, actions unfold.
2: Yeah, I, you know, I definitely remember it because I was in uh, Nene's backup. So, you know, the next game I had to start. So um, I definitely remember that. I was just watching it go down and go down. Uh, you know, the headbutt and, and all of that. Um, but that's what type of series it was. It was very physical. Um, and, and grind it out type series. It's playoff basketball. You know, tempers flared, um, which happens in, in the playoffs. Uh, it was a suspension. Uh, then they got suspended. Um, other players had to step up. Um, but that's what type of series it was. It, it was physical the whole series. And I just remember that was my first time making the playoffs. It was, you know, a lot of emotions. The atmosphere was crazy you know, just a lot of adrenaline on the basketball court.
0: Let's, uh, let's say just, just for funsies that the NBA playoffs were like the NHL, where if guys start to go at it, the refs will let them fight for a while. If you, if, if that fight between Nene and Jimmy Buckets actually turned into a fight, who are you taking? Because obviously Nene's got the size advantage, but Jimmy Butler is probably one of the feistiest guys in the league these days.
2: Oh yeah. Jimmy Butler is definitely feisty. And you know, on the basketball court, i would definitely you know want Jimmy on my team. But if you're going in in a, in a fight, um, I'm gonna have to take Big Fella. You know. If- Jimmy might not have a career right now if they had to let them fall.
3: That's pretty funny. You know, I would take the guy with the <laughs> size too, 100%. Trevor, I want to shift to your time in Utah. So, you spent a couple of years with the Wizards, and interestingly enough, you were drafted in during the year of the lockout. But going more towards your time with the Utah Jazz, I came across a couple of articles reading about your time there. And a lot of people are saying that your time there as a veteran leader, sort of a younger veteran, like four or five years into the league, you were able to establish a winning culture with a lot of guys that's, you know, were first, second year players in the league. Can you describe to us what it was like going into a locker room for the first time that? was not filled with guys that had been in the league with, for 8 to 10 years and you were really the one to be looked up. What kind of tactics would you use to try to help younger players because now I look at the roster that was there the first year that you were there a lot of those guys are still around. Joe Ingles has turned into a great player and you've got Dante Exum mm-hmm. who still stayed there. What were you able to instill in some of those young guys and help them along and build their careers to a, to what this is as a winning culture which ultimately is what the Chicago Bulls are looking to ultimately do with this rebuild?
2: Yeah, uh, It was definitely something new for me. Um, It was my fifth year, uh, going into my fifth year in the league. So, you know, I was still considered young, but at the same time, seasoned. Um, You know, I had, you know, four four years of experience in in Washington, and I had made the playoffs, you know, uh, my final year in Washington. So I definitely had some experience to come come in and, and be that leader, uh but at the same time it was it would be my first year as a as a leader, you know. But I learned from my time at Washington, you know, I watched other leaders like uh Nene, you know, Al Harrington, Trevor Ariza, Drew Gooden. I I learned from those guys, you know, what it you know took to be a leader. Um just come in and, you know, do your work, um, you know, be respectful, be on time, just be professional. And, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, they looked up to me for that. Um, You know, and, you know, a lot of the guys, you know, on that team, they were young. So, you know, they were still figuring things out. And, you know, they would go through slumps and things like that. The normal things that NBA players go through, you know, I just try to help them through it just the same way my vets tried to help me through it in Washington. Um, You know, we had some great guys in Utah, you know, those two years that I was there. And that made it a lot easier and it and it made a a lot easier plan for a coach um, like Quinn Snyder too.
0: You also had a stint uh with the Pacers last season, Trevor, and uh played uh I believe what uh seven or eight playoff games with them. Uh we all really yep. enjoyed watching the uh unexpected rise of Victor Oladipo, who after that trade uh, really has made a name for himself with the Pacers who are trying to to claw their way into being one of the real contenders in the East, which is now, of course, with LeBron's departure wide open, we have seen Kawhi transition pretty seamlessly into what is still a very good and dangerous looking Raptors team. The Celtics seem like they're finally starting to get things together. They've moved Hayward to the bench, and it's working out pretty well for them. Uh, and of course, you have Embiid and Simmons, and the Sixers making noise for usual. Um, I'm curious how you see the Eastern Conference. You know, of course, in the West, it's uh, the Warriors are going to get their you know get their things together, and they're probably going to be the odds on favorites not only to win the West but to repeat. But as far as the Eastern Conference goes right now, who do you see as being really and truly the team to beat?
2: Um, uh, I honestly think Toronto, you know, um, Valensumis is down right now, which is a huge piece for them, but I think they're going to be the team to beat in the East. Um, you know, if you just look at their starting five and, and, and the addition of Kawhi Leonard, uh, that's a huge addition for them. You know, Coach nurses he's done a great job, um, you know, coming in, got those boys, you know, playing well right now. And then, you know, Look at the starting five, but not only the starting five, they have a a deep bench, um, you know, that can really play. Uh, So I think they're the team to beat in the East. Um, Indiana, they're doing a tremendous job this season, Um, putting a lot of great pieces together. Uh, Victor is playing well. Miles Turner, uh, Sabonis is really, you know, killing this year. Uh, He's having a breakout season. Um, Don't forget about Milwaukee. Milwaukee is, you know, playing great right now. Um, I think they're being overlooked by some people. Um, but, you know, I think there's a couple of teams that can come out of the East. Uh, I don't know if Philly – I don't think Philly is deep enough to come out of the East. Um, you know, I think that I – li- I like the, the addition of Jimmy Butler. Uh, but at the same time, they, they lost two key pieces in Rob Covington and, and Dario Sarge, um, and it added depth to their team um so i don't think they're deep enough to you know come out of the east uh but i do think they'll make a little noise but i think the key, the key team to beat is is toronto
3: I, think I have to agree with you. I think Toronto by far has played the best and their young players are coming together and meshing really well. Pascal Siakam being one of them and they've re-signed Fred Van Vliet for their bench. And they've had a, a young core of bench mob players that have been able to pair with guys like Kyle Lowry and now Kawhi Leonard. So I think I'm, I'm in agree, agreement with you, Trevor. I'm wondering, you know, your experience playing with a bunch of different teams and having a a ton of different teammates Who's been by far the best player, the one that's kind of taken your breath away when you've watched them? You know, you've played with John Wall and Gilbert Arenas and you've played with Gordon Hayward and like we had mentioned, um, Victor Oladipo, all of these these rising stars and, and pure scores. Who's the single best teammate that you've ever had uh, or who's the guy that is is taking you back as far as their ta- their pure talent goes?
2: If I had to choose one player, it would probably be Joel and B, you know, He's just, you know, for his size, he can score the ball so easily. He's just such a, a dumb man force out there. You just watch his, you know, his footwork and everything. Uh, he's just, you know, he's just fun to watch. You know, at times I just found myself on the bench just in awe of the things that he would do. You know, he has fadeaways, three-point shot. You know, he could be, he could just back you down and, and dunk on you. Um, and, and, you know, he plays defense. He's just such a competitor. You know, a lot of times I'll just, you know, just sit back and, and just spectate and, and love the show.
0: Uh, Trevor, we we are thrilled that you've kind of, you know, joined us uh, on the Lockdown NBA team to offer your insight as, as a player uh, in this league that we all love uh, to be fans of so much. And, we we know that you still have your sights set on an NBA return, you know, you had your plan to go and uh, and play in China this season and then got stalled with the uh the foot injury and I know that you had that had surgery, reconstructive surgery on your foot. Just um wanting to get an update on on how you're feeling physically, how's the foot doing and and what are you looking towards as far as re- uh, readying yourself to get back on an NBA court soon.
2: Yeah, I'm feeling great right now. Right now I'm still in the boot, but I only have one more week left in the boot. Uh, you know, I went to the doctor, uh, two weeks ago and he said, you know, everything is looking great. He said, I'm, I'm way ahead of schedule. So he gave me the okay to, uh, you know, to start running on the court in two weeks, uh, which is, which is great. Um, I like being ahead of schedule, but I've been doing a lot of rehab, um, and, you know, biking, cardio, trying to, you know, get myself back into shape. Um uh so I've just been there, you know, weights, biking, rehab, um and you know, in a couple of weeks I get back on the court, try to get myself, you know, back into even better shape. Um, you know, but I'm definitely trying to make a comeback for this season, which is um uh, which is my goal right now.
3: You're a Clemson Tiger through and through. Were you disappointed at all yeah. that Zion decided to go to Duke instead of, you know, there were some rumors, some whispers, that Zion was going to check out Clemson and that maybe that was going to be the place that he lands and ends up. Were you a little bit disappointed that Zion didn't end up going to Clemson? He chose Duke instead. And what do you think of his game just from clips that you've watched or maybe the games that you've watched from Duke so far this season?
2: Yeah, I wasn't, you know, disappointed. But I did hear, you know, that he was thinking about Clemson pretty heavy. Um, so I was hoping that he, he went there, but he chose Duke instead, um, you know, which is understandable. You know, they have such a great program, um, and you know, so many pros in the NBA. Um, but I'm just, you know, happy for him either way, just watching his game. He's such a tremendous athlete. And, you know, when I'm watching the Duke games, I, when I you see that they, they're on the schedule to play for that night, I definitely have to watch, you know, especially for him. And just so I can watch his highlights, um, But I think he has a lot of potential, you know. If he can get that jump shot going, he'll be, you know, pretty tough. He'll, he'll definitely need that at the next level. Um, But, you know, I think even with, you know, how good he is right now, I think R.J. Barrett is probably the best overall player on that team. I think he's probably the best, you know, pro uh, player on that team right now, pro prospect. Uh, but Zion, you know, he has – I think Zion has more potential uh than RJ at the moment.
0: All right Trevor, uh before we let you go speaking of uh you know your college days. Uh I'm assuming that you're you're following college football pretty closely this season. Uh and I I am oh, yeah. guessing that you're a Clemson Tiger fan for football as well as hoops. I've been uh talking with uh I do uh, some some uh Bulls TV stuff with uh you know Bulls legend Horace Grant who is himself uh, a Clemson guy, and he uh, he's doing all kinds of trash talking around uh, around our NBC studios to some of the Notre Dame fans. You know, a lot of Notre Dame fans here in Chicago. Personally, I hate Notre Dame, so I am pulling real hard for the Clemson Tigers. I'm just wondering how you feel about that game. Are you pretty confident going into that college football playoff?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. So I'm I'm real confident. You know, we have a a pretty good offense, um, and our defense is pretty stellar, also. Uh, So I'm pretty confident going into that game. Uh, Notre Dame has a good football team, but I don't think they're ready for the Tigers. Um, I think it would be a a good football game, though. And uh, I have us winning 31-27.
0: I like it. I would be more than happy with that result, and I know Horace would be too. Uh, Trevor, we appreciate you stopping by Locked On Bulls. We're so happy to have you as part of the Locked On NBA team these days. All the best with your rehab. We look forward to seeing what happens next in your NBA career. Uh, Just a reminder, you can follow Trevor on Twitter at 35 underscore Fitz. Trevor, uh, have a great holiday season, man, and hopefully we'll talk to you again sometime soon.
2: All right, thanks for having me.
3: Well, that's going to about do it here on Locked on Bulls. Want to thank again, Trevor Booker, for joining the show. Hope everything goes well with his rehab and hope to see him back on the floor at some point this season. You can follow Trevor Booker on Twitter at 35 underscore fits. We're live on Dash Radio, dashradio.com and the Dash Radio app. On the Nothing But Net channel, we're live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, at 9 a.m. Central Time. You can follow us on Twitter at Jordan Sinali, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls on Instagram as well. Go give us a follow-up. Over there, But for Matt Peck, I'm Jordan Malley, Bulls Nation. Have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow to drive you into the weekend. For Jordan and Matt, we are out deuces.
1: Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Locked on Bulls is live on Dash Radio every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, starting at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com